You're listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Hey everybody, welcome to Conversations with Ben and Michael. Um, this is a podcast that we started a few months ago. is all about taking you know, what we're doing at Lion Baptist Temple and really putting handles on the truths that we're learning on Sunday mornings, as well as some other topics that we you know, have discussed along the way. Uh, we're super excited for you guys to be able to join us, um, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on the podcast, however you're joining us, we're, we're great to have you and just appreciate having you here. Um, this last few weeks, we've been uh, talking about miracles. Pastor Al started a new message series about miracles. And the whole purpose of this message series is to take us back to the wonders of what happened throughout the Bible. And really for uh, Pastor Al just to help us open our eyes and open our hearts um, to what God can do in our own lives. And uh, with that, we thought it would be really cool to have a few guests on here over the next few weeks and uh, be able to just talk about them and some of the miracles that they've seen in their life. And so today we have Eric Flick joining us. Um, Eric Flick has been attending church here for 45 years. 45 years. I have known Eric. I even knew Eric a little bit before I came on staff here uh, through Teens for Christ. Um, but Eric has a great heart. It's awesome to have you here today. And uh, we just want to know a little bit about you. And uh, so if you want to tell everyone just a little bit about you and, and kind of a little bit of background on you. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to share what, what God's done in, in our lives. Uh, my wife Pam and I have been married coming up on 47 years and we started going here 45 years ago <clears throat> we've got three grown daughters that live in the vicinity and we've got uh, four grandsons and three granddaughters and uh, we've just seen a lot of transition here at the church and really appreciate the uh, different series that Pastor Al has been bringing mm -hmm. And uh, the one on miracles, of course, I'm a cancer survivor. In 2005, I was diagnosed with lymphoma. And that's a whole story in itself, which I won't go into. But through that, <clears throat> God showed me the miracle of his grace. Mm. And I've been continuing to learn the whole theme of the Bible is God's unmerited favor toward you and I. Mm. That's freely available. Yeah. And so many people don't get that right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I've, I've heard your story before, you know, just, you know, how you were raised, how you grew up, you know, it's kind of your early Christian days. And then when you had this experience with cancer and how your heart was changed and softened in, in that time. And just to see, you know, how you went from kind of, and, and you've said this before, kind of a, a legalistic mentality. Oh yeah. To, yeah. uh, to now a, a grace filled mentality. Yeah. And uh, it's just awesome to be able to see, you know, God do that in your own life. Um, but we're here today to talk about a personal miracle outside of your own conversion, um, specifically about your dad. And uh, we actually got to baptize, Pastor Al baptized him, what was it, a year it ago? It was Palm Sunday of 2019. Okay, so mm -hmm. almost so two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Coming up. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about that story. Well, uh my dad was born in 1925 in Hume, 
It's about halfway between here and Wapak on 501. And his dad ran the train station there for 40 years. And uh, his father was very austere, very stern. Uh, in my dad's words, he'd rather, rather whip you than talk to you. Mm. My dad was the prankster, the black sheep of the family. <clears throat> and uh, my parents divorced when I was 10 and my dad moved away and he went through a couple marriages and he finally remarried and they were married over 30 years. So I really never spent much time with my dad. Uh, that's a whole nother story in itself. So I didn't really get to know my dad until my stepmother passed away in 2018. And my dad was in his 90s. <clears throat> and my sister and I, she lives in Louisville area. We talked with him and through advice from his doctor and others, they said, you, you need to move back to Ohio to your family. Hmm. So that that's the big overview. So it wasn't until the last 11 months of his life that I really was able to put a lot of this stuff together and see how God worked over a period of eight decades in hmm. this man's life. It was really miraculous in a lot of ways. Hmm. So how how have you how looking back, you know, talking with your dad in those 11 months, how did you see God's hand at work in his life over those 8 decades? Well, I need to give a brief overview of his background for that to make sense, but my dad went to a church in the area. It was a mainline church, and his mother was a Christian. And that was back in the days when everybody went to church. Unless mm. you were half dead, you were at church. Yeah. Um, and he was going to catechism when he was 10. They started catechism at 10 years old back then. And his sister caught rheumatic fever. It was a pandemic, really. Mm. A lot of people were quarantined for six to eight weeks in their home because they didn't want to spread it through the school. So... He was also going to confirmation classes during that period, which he missed also. So he never got sick, but when he was allowed to go back to school, he had missed all of this classwork and his confirmation classes. So his mom encouraged him to try to catch up, and he decided he better get his schoolwork done first. The first Sunday back at church, his pastor asked him if he had gotten his catechism lessons caught up. And he said, well, I decided I needed to do my schoolwork first. And my dad went to Shawnee School System. And his pastor said, okay, but you need to get it done. Well, the very next week, the pastor hit him up again about it. My dad said, no, I haven't finished my schoolwork yet. And that pastor literally grabbed my dad by the collar, walked him to the door of that church, and said, we don't need people like you here and mm. pushed him out the door. Well, there was a graveyard across the street. And my dad went and hung out in the, in the graveyard until church was over. And his mother wanted to know where he was. And my dad just got turned off to church at 10 years mm. old and never went back till he came here mm. when he was 93. Wow. Throughout those years, now my dad, when he was a teenager, he actually went to some Billy Sunday revival meetings okay. in Lima when they built the tabernacle where the old Lima senior was. And he said that he remembers asking Jesus in his heart, but I don't think he understood what that meant. Mm. 
And when he was 18, World War II broke out and his mother signed some papers and he was off to the war. And during that experience, he got to Germany as an army soldier. He wasn't there more than two days. He found himself in a trench and they told him to fix bayonets because they were going to try to cross the Ruhr River and it was going to be hand-to-hand combat. Hmm. At the last minute, they called that off. And since my dad had mechanical experience, they he became a driver for a captain in the army. Hmm. He was his personal Jeep driver. He slept in that captain's tent. Everywhere that captain went, he went. A lot of times they did reconnaissance behind the enemy lines, and yeah. sometimes they got in you know, too far in and he wouldn't talk about this stuff for years and I didn't know anything about it. Mm. He got to Germany right after the Battle of the Bulge and he, when the GIs were pushing the Germans back into Germany, once he was back here in 2018, he started telling these stories. My dad had PTSD, but he didn't really know it. Mm. At times he would just blank out and not be able to talk. And I've actually put an audio app on my phone and I've got almost two hours of him telling these stories. That's cool. God miraculously saved his life through so many experiences in Germany in the war. He, he should have been killed numerous times. Um, his favorite story, which he's told to some of the guys here in the church and some other guys I know that are veterans. We were at IHOP one morning and he told this story. My dad, he was at that point where his filters were gone. He just said whatever he wanted. <laughs> Pastor Al can tell you about that. But he started telling this story, him and his buddy Jake, and this is how God stepped in. Hmm. Him and his buddy Jake, they were in Cologne, Germany, and the front had already gone through there, but there was a lot of German snipers hidden in the city yet. And they were at the <clears throat> the Rhine River, and my dad and his his buddy Jake ran across the bridge there was a, a beautiful cathedral there which is still there today it never got touched during the war even though cologne was bombed and my dad said him and jake went because jake was a catholic and he wanted to see the inside of that cathedral jake's grandparents were german and they still lived in germany and he spoke fluent german mm. they came under small arms fire from several directions and they ran across the parking lot and ran into that church, and he said as soon as they got inside that church, there was this beautiful stained glass window with a picture of Jesus on it at the other end of the church. And he said, something happened to me in that church that I cannot explain to this day. He said there was a holy presence in there, and everything got quiet. And him and Jake decided to go to the altar and pray for some of their friends, some who had been killed. Mm some who were wounded and uh, he said he's telling the story in IHOP in the fall of 2000 he said I left something in that cathedral and I went back in 2013 to see if I could find it they took a trip over there because I have a stepbrother who was in the military and he was okay. stationed in Germany and he said I said what did you leave in that cathedral, Donnie said, my soul. Hmm. And we're sitting at IHOP with Tom Wireman, Ted Bear, myself, and my dad. And I said, did you find it? He said, yep. Hmm. 
when they left that church, they were going to run two different directions, you know, so at least maybe one of them would make yeah. it out. He said, we got outside and we started to run and it was quiet. They walked through that parking lot back across the bridge. Not a shot was fired. And he said, I lost my fear of death at that point. I was never afraid after that that I was going to die. And God protected him. He had a Jeep blown out from under him. Uh, they got behind, in front of the the front once. And they ran, him and his captain ran and hid in a building for two days. He said, we could have reached out the window and grabbed the German soldiers' boots. They were marching around trying to find us. They knew we were... The GIs finally came and rescued him, and just story after story of how God protected his life. So you've seen and you've you've heard from his own mouth the miracles of provision and protection, even in his early days. Absolutely. What what, what was your dad's life like? You know, after the war, you know, before you know, before we baptized him here, you know, what were those years like? What was his attitude towards the church, towards Jesus? He had a family. Uh, he had two brothers and three sisters, and they grew up in a two-bedroom house in Hume with no bathroom. And he had one brother that was very legalistic and got on my dad about all kinds of stuff. Mm. And Bible thumped him, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it just turned my dad off, and he just wanted nothing to do with the organized church for all those decades. He just never went back. However, he he remarried and moved away. He lived in four or five different states, uh, Florida, Kentucky, North Carolina, New Mexico, back to Florida. And that's where they ended up. My stepmother, who was very good to my sister and I, she wasn't a believer, but she was very good to us. My dad knew he needed to be in church. And every now and then he'd run into somebody, a preacher or a neighbor. God was letting him know I didn't go anywhere. I'm still, yeah. But my dad was just basically running from God till he was... 93 years old hmm. and then he moved back here yeah and he moved into shawnee lakes apartments which is just west of tom all's okay my dad used to work for bill all tom's dad <laughs> and uh that was a whole god thing in itself how god provided that we couldn't find any place for him to live and he lived with us for a short time and he had fibrosis because he was a mechanic his whole life and he never smoked but he had um this uh, brake drum fibers, you know, in his in yeah. his lungs, and his breathing was getting worse, and he was on oxygen. At that time, he came here once, and him and Pastor Al hit it off right away. Pastor Al went to his apartment several times, and we kept explaining to him what grace was, and he had heard my story of cancer survivor, mm. and our girls were great. They all went in, and everybody he got to see all of his kids and grandkids, and he was ornery. Uh, he would tell our grandsons, boys, I'm going to tell you about girls. I thought, <laughs> this is that Happy Days restaurant. T two days after he got here, all the grandsons there, he said, now, boys, remember, beauty's only skin deep. So if you don't like them, skin them. <laughs> I was like, dad. <laughs> so he had no filters, but oh. he knew God was at work in his life. Oh, what do you think was, um, what do you think that was, that was the pivotal defining moment for your dad? Um, that really just turned him back to the Lord. He started watching Jimmy Swaggart on TV for hours. And the, he was very tenderhearted. I didn't know this about my dad, but he was very tenderhearted. He had a great sense of humor, which I'd never been around him. He just threw out these zingers and he was just hilarious. <laughs> he made everybody laugh. 
the pivotal moment was watching the music and he came here to church a few times and he you know he got his black suit and tie and i said dad you don't have to dress like that but yeah that's the way it was because that's, that's what he remembered yeah that's the that, culture and tradition he grew up in and he cried the whole way through the service god was speaking to him and he had a lot of regrets about things he had done a lot of things and then pastor al started to visit him and explain to him salvation that was the pivotal point i think when my dad understood what it meant to be saved and the last four months before we had to put him in a nursing home, I lived with him. You know, I was still working, so I'd stay with him all night, run home at lunch and get his lunch for him. And it, it was pretty hectic, but we had many, many hours to talk. And he started to understand biblically what it means to be forgiven. Grace. So, grace. Yeah. Grace. And he got it. Mm. And Pastor Al was, was key in that. Mm. And then... Um, he asked Pastor Al, he said, you ever baptize a 93-year-old? <laughs> He's been talking to me about this. This was his decision, not mine. He felt like he needed to do that. Hmm. Pastor Al said, no, but I bet we can get her done. Yeah. And they did. So uh, in 2019 on Palm Sunday, my dad on oxygen walked up those 14 steps back there to the <laughs> baptismal under his own power, we had guys there to help him, but he said, no, I can do this. Mm. He had that World War II mentality. Yeah. It's like, you got to take whatever they hand you. Yeah. He had the baptismal robe on, and <clears throat> since I was a deacon in the church at the time, Pat, <coughs> excuse me, Pastor Al asked me, uh, would you like to help baptize your dad? And I said, well, sure, that'd be great. Mm. So we're standing up there. Just before he took his oxygen off, he grabs the pastor by the shoulder and says, now, preacher, Two things. Pastor Al's rarely lost for words, but he said, what's that, Jordy? He said, don't drown me and scrub me back when you got me under. <laughs> <laughs> that was just my dad. <laughs> Pastor Al started laughing. What are we going to do with you? So he was baptized, and later that summer, I mean, that was huge for him. Yeah. And from that day on, he had that T-shirt. He wore it all the time, mm -hmm. and... He had his baptismal certificate on the wall where he where everybody wow, could see it when so they came cool. in. And he, you know, he wasn't able to come to church too much after that. His health was yeah. failing. The really neat thing was I found out through my lawyer, who's a Christian, that since my dad got drafted to go to a declared war, he never finished his senior year at Shawnee High School. Mm. The state of Ohio has a law that if you're in that, if you meet those requirements through the VA, you got to fill out papers and your home high school will grant you your diploma hmm. from that high school. So I called Shawnee High School's principal, Mark Baracco, great guy, appreciate Shawnee High School so much. And they were just thrilled to do it. And we were talking for several weeks about the date. Mark Baracco says, well, why don't we do it on our first school board meeting in August and we'll move it downstairs since your dad's in a wheelchair and yep. we'll do it in the library at the high school. Our whole family came, the lawyer came and my dad was just as proud as he could be. Yeah. I didn't tell Mark Baracco until afterwards. I said, now I'm a Christian and here's how God works. The day my dad graduated was August 20th, the day I turned 65. And I told that principal, I said, now, how, how many people can say 
the day they turned 65, they went to their dad's high school graduation. <laughs> yeah, right. It was just a God thing. Oh. And there were so many things like that. Oh. Where, where my dad lived, everything he needed was nearby. People contacted him. And he knew that God worked in his life. And I would say more than anything, I saw it just reinforced me the grace that I'd been learning mm -hmm. as a cancer survivor. I thought, this this God that we serve, His grace is so wide. It spanned 80 years of mm -hmm. my dad's life. He he got thrown out of church at 10, never went back, yeah. but he knew God was there. Yeah. And Pastor Al helped him understand grace. And right at the end, everything was right. Mm. He had a military funeral with the, you know, the military rights and all of yeah. that. And I am thankful to God that that was a miracle of grace yeah. after that span of time and how his yeah. life got protected through so many things. Yeah, I, I think of, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, we, we recently, um, me and Pastor Alan Ben went to an evangelism conference actually just this past weekend, and it was led by Johnny Hunt. And Johnny Hunt talked about how, you know, sometimes the hardest people to witness to is our own family. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't because it's so difficult it is and um and a lot of people just use that as kind of a cop-out like why am i going to choose to try to share the gospel with someone who's the hardest possible person to share the gospel with and it was really convicting for me just to remember like you know i have family members that aren't saved and you know whether it my dad whether it be you know some other person um you know there's people in my life i got a lot that are but there's a lot there's several that aren't too and it's like you can get discouraged not having a family member join the family of Christ and not seeing God working in their life. Um, and so what would be your advice for somebody who's listening, somebody who's watching, who's been praying for somebody for a long time and they're just getting discouraged? What would be your advice for them? Well, odd you bring that up because we, Pam and I have that going on in our own family. Some of it because of legalism, some of it because of lack of understanding on my part when, you know, in younger years. But God gave me Second Timothy 2.24 on how to deal with that. And that is, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be patient unto mm. all, apt to teach, in meekness instructing those who oppose themselves, if perhaps God will grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Hmm. Even repentance is a gift of God. And so my advice, and this is what my wife and I have to do all yeah. the time is extend grace to people, offer them the same forgiveness. I just read a book about the cross by Henry Blackaby. And he had to learn this with family members. Mm. And he said, God convicted him. He said, Henry, you need to be as forgiving to these family members that are away from me as I have been to you because you don't have it all together yet either. Yeah. So we're still waiting on some of that to happen as you are, it sounds like. And I think there are many people are. I like pastors emphasis on this verse message in this series on miracles he made this statement and i learned this through cancer too let the pain 
drive you to prayer. Mm. And that that's what I have to that's so true. remind myself of constantly. Well, and it's not just physical pain. It's pain in general. Yeah. And so many times we try to let that pain push us to pleasure or push us to, to something that we think is going to take away the pain. That's right. And, you know, Pastor Al said, let that pain push you to prayer. Yeah. And I think that's the answer is continue to pray and show grace and show forgiveness. And yeah. I think a lot of times we do an okay job of showing grace and forgiveness towards Christians, grace and forgiveness towards people that, you know, in our eyes we deem as worthy. But a lot of times we do a really crappy job of showing grace and forgiveness to other people. You know, the, the people who aren't saved or the family members that rub yeah. us wrong or, you know, the, 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 the person that we know that does this. Or, and I think that, you know, if we really want to see evangelism take place, if we really want to see people around us come to know the saving power of Jesus Christ, we got to pray for them and we got to offer that same grace and forgiveness that Jesus has offered us. If we don't stay right with him, we can't do that. Hmm. You know, we. Yeah, because it's not of ourselves. Out of our own strength, we can't do that. The only place I have found relief for any of those things is the foot of the cross, where the ground is level for everybody. And, you know, in churches like ours, people can drift into legalism very easily and forget that the people outside these walls, they, in today's world, they have no concept of church you know it i i laugh sometimes because i see what the spirit of god is doing here through the music and the yeah. preaching and we have seen this huge transition in the 45 years we've been here and even somebody in our family that doesn't doesn't go right now they said well we know it's a lot different than it used to be hmm. I, I just i try not to say too much yeah we just have to pray and be full of grace yeah you know that's the way jesus did it full of grace yeah. and truth yeah absolutely Absolutely. Well, any closing thoughts or comments, Eric? No, I just appreciate the opportunity to tell my dad's story. And I told my sister today I'd be doing that. And I thank you for giving me a chance to, to share her story. I, when Ben first asked me, I knew my dad would say, now you get in there and do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us. And, you know, we're looking forward to God doing miracles I in the lives he's of people gonna. here. And, you know, if you're watching or listening or, man, join us in prayer. Join us in in asking God. You know, I talked about that evangelism conference. You know, Johnny Hunt said, who's your one? Who's the one person? Who's the one person that you need to be praying for, you need to show grace for? Because a lot of times we can get overwhelmed with a lot of people. But who's the one? Who's the one that God has put on our heart? And, man, I just want to encourage you, if anything else, during this series, be praying for that one person um, that they would have a miracle in their life, that they would be able to, Amen. you know, if they haven't received Jesus yeah. Christ as their Lord, Lord and Savior, that they would be able to do that. Well, thanks for joining us, Eric. All right. It was a great time. Me. Great okay. having you on here. And uh, don't forget to let us know um, where you're listening from, who's listening. Uh, if you have any ideas or topics you'd like to, for us to discuss on the podcast, we would love to hear from you. Go to limeabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub. Fill out a contact form, and we would love to be able to connect with you. Uh, we hope that you're having uh, a blessed time listening to these podcasts and as Pastor Al does this miracle series. And we will see you guys again next week. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you were encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. 
If you have a prayer request, a topic you'd like us to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org.